0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment. Yes, I'm back at you with another Black History Moment with Bo. And I gotta tell you, my friends, there is nothing worse than taking a couple weeks vacation and coming home, and two days after you're home, you come down with the flu, or COVID, whatever they want to call it. Whatever it is, it kicked off in my hiney real tough a few days back. But I'm on the mending side of the fence now. So I have to say it's good to be back. I never knew a sore throat could last that long. But I gotta say it was kind of nice listening to Cat Williams go off on everybody. And oh baby if you haven't heard it or haven't seen it. Get on YouTube and look it up. He let the cat out of the bag for sure. (laughs) But you know, the one thing that he said that struck me the most is when he said, truth does not need motivation. Hello. That's what I've been saying behind this mic for the last three years now. Truth don't give a damn about your opinion. Because truth knows when the smoke clears, the only things that's going to be left are the sun the moon and truth itself the older you get the more quiet you become life humbles you so deeply as you age you realize how much nonsense you've wasted precious time on get to Washington DC. The Smithsonian is one place that you'll have to go to. And it's so large, it'll take you just about a whole day just to cover it. And they'll tell you a lot of things that you didn't know. But they probably will not tell you about their collection of black brains. The day Mary Sarah died of tuberculosis, In a Seattle sanitarium, the doctor caring for the 18-year-old offered her brain to one of the most revered museums in the world. young woman whose family was Sami, or indigenous to the area that included northern Scandinavia, had traveled with her mother by ship from her Alaska hometown at the invitation of physician Charles Firestone who had offered to treat the older woman for cataracts. Now, Firestone sought to take advantage of Sarah's death for a racial brain collection at the Smithsonian Institution. The 64-year-old curator for the Division of Physical Anthropology at Smithsonian's was interested in Sarah's brain for his collection, but only if she was full-blood meaning that both her parents were Sami. So the 35-year-old went about removing Sarah's brain after she died and mailed it to Washington, D.C., where Smithsonian officials tagged it with a reference number and stored it in the museum, now the site of the National Museum of Natural History, alongside scores of other brains taken across the world. A hundred years later, Sarah's brain is still housed by the institution, wrapped in muslin and immersed in preservatives in a large metal container. It is stored in a museum facility in Maryland, with 254 other brains amassed mostly in the first half of the 20th century. Almost all of them were gathered at the bequest of Hedrica a prominent anthropologist who believed that white people were superior and collected body parts to further now defunct theories about anatomically differences between races. Most of the brains were removed upon death from black and indigenous people and other people of color. They are part of a collection of at least 30,000 human bones and other body parts still held by the Natural History Museum, the most visited museum within the Smithsonian. The collection now at its largest in the world included numerous skulls, teeth, and other body parts representing an unknown number of people. The remains are the unreconciled legacy of a grisly practice in which bodies and organs were taken from graveyards, battlefields, morgues, and hospitals in more than 80 countries. The decades-long effort was financed and encouraged by the taxpayer-subsidized institution. The collection, which was mostly amassed in the early 1940s, has long been hidden from view. The vast majority of the remains appear to have been gathered without consent from the individuals or their families by researchers preying on people who were hospitalized, poor, or lacked immediate relatives to identify them or bury them. In other cases, collectors, anthropologists, and scientists dug up burial grounds, and looted graves. Now, the Natural History Museum has lagged in its efforts to return the vast majority of the remains in its possession to descendants or cultural heirs of the 268 brains collected by the museum. Officials have returned only four. Now, get this. The Smith- Smithsonian requires people with a personal interest or legal right to the remains to issue a formal request of virtual impossibility for many would-be claimants since they are unaware of the collection's existence. The federal law mandates that the Smithsonian only inform Native American, Alaska Native, or Native Hawaiian communities about any remains, leaving an estimated 15,000 body parts in limbo and African-American. The Washington Post tracked down Sarah's relatives using Smithsonian documents. When reporters contacted them through the Sami Cultural Centers of North America, they had no idea that her brain had been taken. Relatives said they were stunned that the institution never contacted them and are now seeking to have her brain returned. It's a violation against our family and against our people, said Fred Jack, the husband to one of Sarah's cousins. It's kind of like an open wound. We want to have peace and we'll have no peace because we know that this exists until it's corrected. The Natural History Museum said that in the last three decades, three decades, it has returned 4,000 sets of human remains. These remains belong to more than 6,000 people, because some sets include the remains of more than one person. And due to the manner in which body parts have been cataloged, The museum does not know the exact number of body parts or people represented in its overall collection. Museum officials said they have more substantial progress with the remains despite having a small staff devoted to the work. Now, while the post-investigation was underway, Smithsonian Secretary Lonnie Bunch III in April wished issued a statement apologizing for how the institution collected many of its human remains in the past. And he also announced the creation of a task force, uh another task force, to determine what to do with the remains. In an interview, Bunch also said it was his goal to promote reparation. I know that so much of this has been based on racist attitudes, that these brains were really people of color to demonstrate the superiority of white brains. So I understand and I think it's important for me as a historian to say all of the remains, all of the brains need to be returned if possible and treated in the best possible way. Now, the post reviewed thousands of documents, including studies, field notes and correspondence from Herdlika's papers and interviewed more than four dozen experts, Smithsonian officials and descendants and members of affected communities. Now, the record shows that the museum's brain collection was assembled by a network of scientists, U.S. Army surgeons, and professors. Officials from prominent institutions in the United States donated human brains to the museum. The Smithsonian still holds the brains of people from at least 10 foreign countries, including the Philippines, Germany, the Czech Republic, and South Africa. Top Smithsonian and natural history museum officials have long known about tens of thousands of body parts held by the institution, but the full scope of the brain collection has never been publicly disclosed. Even officials within the museum said that they were unaware of its magnitude until informed by reporters, and Bunch said he knew absolutely nothing about the brain collection before he became secretary in 2019. He said he learned about it as the institution adopted a policy in 2022 on how to return objects and body parts taken without consent. In addition to bunch Several senior Smithsonian officials acknowledged in interviews the racism behind Herdrica's work and said the anthropologist left a disturbing legacy that must be addressed. You see, the Smithsonian is a wide-ranging institution that spans research facilities, 21 museums, and the National Zoo. The National Museum of Natural History, one of its premier attractions, holds the vast majority of the institution's human remains. The only other Smithsonian Museum with body parts is the National Museum of the American Indian, which said it still has 454 remains and has repriated 617. The worldwide trade in human body parts was in full swing in 1898 when the U.S. Army Surgeon General George Sternberg transferred 2,206 Native American skulls from the Army Medical Museum to the Smithsonian's Department of Anthropology at the U.S. National Museum. Five years later, Herderlichgon took charge of the department's new subdivision on physical anthropology and made it his mission to vastly expand Smithsonian's collection of body parts. Herlich Krum, who was born in what is now Czech Republic, received medical training from the Electric Medical College of New York City and New York Homopathic Medical College in Manhattan before moving into the field of anthropology. He was seen as one of the country's foremost authorities on race, sought by the government and members of the public to prove that people's race determined physical characteristics and intelligence. He was also a longtime member of the American Eugenics Society, an organization dedicated to racist practices designed to control human population and improve the genetic pool, baseless th- theories that would be widely condemned after the Nazis used them to justify genocide and forced sterilization during the Holocaust. In speeches and personal correspondence, he spoke openly about his belief in the superiority of white people, once laminated that black people were the real problem before the American people. There are differences of importance between the brains of the Negro and European, to the general disadvantage of the former. Brains of individual Negroes may come up to or near the standard of some individual whites, but such primitive brains as found in some Negroes would be hard to duplicate in normal whites. In 1904, Smithsonian Manual, Herlich instructed others on how to collect body parts in vivid detail including how to package a brain for shipment to the museum and conceal the marks of an autopsy. He stated that the racial brain collection was necessary to research the brains of people across the world, especially indigenous people and black Americans. Black people also stood out nationwide. Of the 77 brains taken within the United States that have race recorded, black people represented the largest racial group with 57 brains taken. It seems as though it's a never-ending battle, doesn't it, my friends? It seems to go on and on and on and on. I'm talking about atrocities. To us. Why such a collection? Comparing our brains to whiteness's brains? There is no comparison, really. If you look back to what we were doing 3,000 years ago compared to what Europeans were doing 3,000 years ago. Well, my friends, that music tells me that it is once more that time. But before I go, I have a message that I want to relate to you, and that is only people who have been successfully miseducated have no desire to know their past, and they resent those who do. Wow, that's heavy. Makes you have to think about it for a minute, don't it? My friends, have a great day. And try to stay out of some of that crazy weather that's going on over there on the East Coast. Gotta say, that's why I left there. Until next time, my friends, it has been my honor. Peace to my ancestors and my elders. I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day.